Hey, this is Andy McAfee, and I'm so excited to announce that I will be attending Cambridge Geek Con April 14th and 15th. I have been creating characters for TV, movies, and video games pretty much my whole life, but just a couple you may recognize me from. I am Sarah the Triceratops from the Land Before Time franchise and Phoebe Heyerdahl from Nickelodeon's Hey Arnold. I am so thrilled. It is my very first con in the UK. Can't wait to meet fans from across the pond. So I hope to see you there. You can check out the list of things that I've been in on my social media or on IMDb. And see you in April. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. I'm gonna show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. Hey everybody, it's the Aaron Meta Show. It is the 24th, 25th weekend of February of 2018. Thank you very much for checking out the show. Uh, sorry that we're recording and we're not live, but uh, let me basically tell everybody what's going on. But uh, before I do that, uh, joining me on the show is Patricia. Hello there. Hey, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. Yeah. So, uh, tell you, coming off our uh, well, our revival of Pix Mix, we managed to do like a double bill this week of uh, The Incredibles and Up. So uh, that's been an achievement for us. So. Yeah, we absolutely. And uh, we still have about uh, four more months to go until The Incredibles 2 mm-hmm. and roughly around 10 more Pixar movies to cover. So I think we're doing decent time. Yeah, I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, so uh, me and Patricia are going to be doing the show for the next two weeks. And then uh, we've got a big announcement to make. We're actually going to be reformatting the show. So uh, what that is going to mean is, is that uh, the show that you know now is going to be very different. Uh, the likelihood is we're not gonna we're gonna limit the amount of live shows that we actually do. The likelihood is if we ever do a live show, it'll be for a extra extra special reason. And uh, one of the reasons we're doing this is because of uh, kind of just uh, the way the show gets produced. Um, unfortunately, it is really hard now to get us all together because we have such conflicting schedules in different time zones. So basically what happens is now uh, we're going to be recording segments uh, throughout the week. And then uh, when we come to the weekend, you'll get uh, a video notification or you'll get a notification in your subscription for uh, the podcast that uh, a show is going to be coming up. So uh, if you're a podcast subscriber already on iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher and uh, all that stuff, then uh, you have nothing to worry about. The show is going to still going to be the show. Uh, it's just going to sound a bit different. It's going to sound a little different, and uh, we're going to probably bring in some more uh, entertaining segments for you. And uh, but if you're on YouTube, uh, likelihood is we're probably going to end up just doing kind of like uh, maybe live streams, maybe and uh, maybe just only do special occasion live shows when we can. And it's just because uh, we can't get everybody basically into the same like one hour, two hour shows that we normally do. So. Uh, that's basically how we're going to be going for the next... Uh, so, for the next two weeks, you're going to be getting me and Patricia, and then hopefully after that, you're going to start seeing more of our broadcast team, seeing Morgan again, seeing... Uh, hopefully, we'll get Daniel on the show finally, and uh, then hopefully everyone can get to see Josh again, because it's just... It's, uh, the reason why they're not being on the show is because basically our uh, we've, we've just got so much go- going on in our personal lives at the moment, so it's just becoming really, really hard to kind of like deliver the kind of show that you want us to deliver with uh, the basically the uh, the limited amount of time that we have. But if we stretch it out throughout the week, then it gives us more possibilities. So uh, let us do that, and uh, we'll definitely 
uh, try and put you together for a far more uh, entertaining, far more entertaining show than you know us trying to just clock cobble something together because you know someone's either had to drop out or because someone can't make the show. So uh, we'll hopefully be able to do that pretty soon. Uh, let's just pay some bills just for a second, and uh, I just want to tell everybody about a Manchester Anime and Gaming Convention. Uh, you might have heard already from Cambridge Geekon from Annie McAfee, and she's going to be telling us all about that up until April. Uh, but if you guys want to take, check this out, it is Manchester Anime and Gaming Convention. It is going to be on the 7th and 8th of April of 2018. It is an all-age event for anime fans, gamers, comic fans, and cosplayers. Uh, taking place at the Sugden Sports Centre, which is the postcode M17LH, and at the Flower and Fla- Flag. Uh, which is uh, formerly known as the Zoo. Uh, next door to it's from 10:30 a.m. each day uh, for anime fans, gamers, comic fans, and cosplayers featuring exhibitors, performers, a TCG, uh, gaming game tournaments, uh, talks, and many activities, including cosplay contests and nearly 1,000 pounds worth of prizes. Smash and League of Legends with 1,000 prize cash prizes, talent shows, parties, and more. Check out an- Manchester Anime Con dot com. If you want to check that out, uh, so that's Manchester Anime and Gaming Con. That's going to be coming 8th, 7th and 8th of April uh, 2018, so just let you guys know about that. I uh, hope you also join us uh, for our battle for, to retain net neutrality. Uh, let me safely say this. AT&T are wasting no time taking advantage of the situation that uh, Ajit Pai and the uh, FCC have basically created. So let me just uh, re- quickly read you what that basically is going on without net neutrality. Uh, AT&T is wasting no time rolling out new features that are flying in the face of net neutrality. The company has expanded its sponsored data program to prepaid wireless customers, uh, offering content companies the option to sponsor their data so that it doesn't count towards you against users' caps. This, in case you were wondering, uh, is w- what you find under the definition of paid fast lanes, uh, quote-unquote, in net neutrality, false promises, hall of fame. Uh, as as of right now, only three services, including AT&T sponsored data program, are direct t- TV, um, you, you, VU, sorry, UVverse and uh, full screen. And by a huge coincidence, these three video services are also owned by AT&T. So basically, they're sponsoring their own shit to and putting there basically on a uh, on a non. Basically, it doesn't count towards your data if you use these platforms, which net neutrality before would have uh, would have stopped. So, you know, uh, and also on top of that, that's not the way they're going to... I mean, this isn't the the end of the road. You know, they're going to continue, you know, abusing this. And uh, ISPs, no doubt, will also keep uh, doing this themselves as well. So we ask you all, please, could you uh, get involved in net, getting net neutrality back, sign positions, uh, you know, get involved in events uh, locally around the area. Also, don't forget to check out battleforthenet.com. Uh, the FCC killed net neutrality rules, but Congress can help stop the FCC with a Congressional Review Act uh, to win... We have to win. We don't want uh, big ISPs like Comcast to, that will control what we see and what we do online with new fees, throttling, and censorship. So if you could do that now, fill in uh, uh, that form, put in your name, email, put your address, your zip code, your phone, and also if you could text BATTLE to uh, 384-387. That's BATTLE to 384-387 to help Let's contact Congress and stop the FCC doing what it's doing now. So uh, please, everybody, get involved and uh, help people like us out because, uh, you know, without net neutrality, you know, you're going to be limited to what you can see and probably even throttled from what you can see. So hope exactly. you all kind of do and that. And shows like this wouldn't be possible. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's move on to our show. And uh, we're going to start off with an article and... Uh, my God, uh, it's uh, everyone's favorite president. 
Dun, dun, dun. Everyone's favorite president. How more rock bottom can he be? Yeah, this is uh, th- this is awful. So we had the shooting in Florida, and um, yes. and not to mention that Parkland is like right around the corner from where I live. It's not. It's like five to ten minutes away. In a way, it's around the corner from where I was. If you think about yeah, it, you exactly. know. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who do not know, I mean, Patricia watched the Jungle movie from Boca Raton. So, I yes. mean, that was our happy, you know, moment there. And uh, it was and only... And also we watched Coco. Yeah, we did watch Coco as well. And uh, it's just, it's, uh, this this terrified me on a, on, a, you know, imagine if this guy, you know, decided like, you know, let's say that he wasn't able to be stopped in the school. Like, you know, and he's always like, you know, commandeer a car and drive around the place and start shooting people. It's like, you know, it's like, how scary would that have been? If uh, yeah. he managed to do that, you know, he, the only way they probably could bring him down was basically, you know, after he'd gone through like a, a 20, 30 mile trek down the road. It's like, you know, it's um, it's just this whole situation is just terrifying. And the response of the uh, the, the so-called president of the United States is no better either. Because j- just take a look at this image uh, that we've got up on the screen. This is what he had in his hand when he basically was doing that... Uh, you know that 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 show for all of us to say that you know hey he's taking this seriously, and look 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 at the bottom look at number five on that cue card like he 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 has to basically write I hear you on the bottom. So someone wrote it for him. <laughs> yeah. But in a way, so yeah, like it is funny to a degree. But you know, he's like, how can the how come the president of the United States? How come Donald Trump? Uh, you know, in in general, have to be um, you know, uh, has to be prompted to basically feel emotion. It's almost like he's a robot. It's just, it's crazy, you know. So one week after the shooting of uh, Mary, at um, Jody Stoneman Douglas High School uh, led to the loss of 17 lives, President Donald Trump took the opportunity to hold a listening session with the White House with survivors and family members with those affected by the Parkland, Florida's tragedy. Um, amid ongoing protests, walkouts, and calls for action across the country, uh, Matt, Andrew Pollack, uh, father of um, Meadow Pollack, uh, one of those killed in the events of uh, that folded on the... Th- February the 14th, pointedly said to Trump, how many schools, how many children have to get shot? Uh, It stops here with this administration and me. And so um, that's, you know, so uh, it was a powerful moment, but one that was later made uh, even more memorable by the photo that was published by the Associated Press shortly after the session ended. Uh, One of the depicted a a cue card of notes for the meeting, uh, the first viable, visible bullet point, seemed reasonable, prompted Trump to ask her, what would you, would you like me to know about your experience? So, but the fifth point really had the jaws on the floor, as uh, so reminds me to say, I hear you. And it's just, you know, like, the, uh, I mean, I didn't believe when um, the, you know, when they, they basically ch- tested the president for, like, his mental capacity to basically run the yeah. country. I mean, it's like, it just, it's, uh, I don't know, m- maybe, I really want to know what, how this cue card came about. Did he, I mean, did he write this? Uh, did an intern write this for him? Did, you know, what what on earth was going through somebody's mind to basically say to, you know, the fact that they have so much discontent for the president or the fact that they he, they know that he has so many problems, you know, emoting or having some kind of, you know, feelings for people that they have to write down on the very bottom of the page, I hear you. Yeah, but 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 he does care about people, Aaron. People who have made more than one hundred million dollars and support his 
you know, his um his ways of you know, just the way he acts and but you know, he has some empathy. Ugh, never no, mind. Please. You know, at this point in time, I wouldn't be too too surprised if you know he gets like a cue card every time that he makes a speech. It's like smile, mm. nod your head to show that you're actually listening. Yeah, wave your arm when you're leaving and when you're coming into the stage. You know, you know what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for like uh, you know. I mean, I don't want to make fun of people with like uh, you know with. Uh, I mean, I know old people have very big problems with like uh, you know with dementia and things like that. I'm waiting for basically you know family members to now start kind of like you know holding his hand you know when he has to basically appear in public. And they have to basically direct him to where he has to go, and uh, like, and, you know, when we start getting to that point, and like, I would really like someone to basically say, how can anyone say that he's not capable of running this country when he starts to slowly degrade? You know, it's just it's because um, I think that's I think that's coming down the line. I think yeah, I think we're gonna start noticeably wrong. St- I mean, there have been a lot of presidents who were going through illnesses and disfigurements when they were running, like. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was going through polio, and this was like a few years before the cure was there. And yet at the same time, he was helping with the Great Depression and the beginnings of World War II. Mm. I just think um, right now, you know, Donald Trump, he, he's just, it's just unbelievable that everyone kind of just accepts that this is the new normal now. That Yeah, you know, it's even sad when you think about that. Um, with all these gun shootings that have been happening, people just treat it like it's an like it's a normal thing. It's like going outside or um, you know having breakfast or driving a car. You know, this would be a normal thing in like you know a developing country where you know civil war is kind of the thing. Like you know, like in many like a very you know very poor African nations and like uh, maybe uh, you know maybe like in the worst parts of Somalia. Maybe that's a normal thing, like a guy goes in, you know, with a political uh, motive and starts shooting at people. But, uh, you know, for the fact that this is a, de- a developed nation, like one of the, you know, the one of the last superpowers in the world, and they can't find a way to stop somebody from going in with a uh, a giant assault weapon. That's, uh, you know, keep this in mind, the AR-15 rifle that this guy used, and like the, uh, the military-grade, you know, bullets that he used to... Uh, uh, to carry out this atrocity, these were the same weapons that were used in the Vietnam War. Yeah, and these are the same weapons that have been used in every single shooting that has been done over the past couple of years. Yeah. Mind you, it's like, uh, as we all know, uh, Patricia, it's not the guns that are to blame for uh, what happened in this uh, incident. Do you know what's to blame, according to uh, this uh, pompous moron that we have in the White House right now? Uh, video games. Yeah, video games. Of course, you know this shit again. That we've had. Oh, bef- great! I thought. Wait, wait, who's speaking this? Donald Trump or Jack Thompson? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Anita Sarkeesian hinted at it as well. Like, you know, if you really want to keep this in mind, like, it's not just the right we're, talk- we're talking about here. It's, it's, it's anybody who basically brings up this stupid argument that has been debunked multiple times for the last since Columbine. That you know the uh, the video games have not caused the problems that we have now, but you know yeah, Columbine is was like twenty years ago. Yeah, it's like uh, it's just it's uh, so you know they're bringing back this again, and obviously you know it's it's it is utter rubbish. What's uh, 
what, what, what this is. Because, uh, you know, if, if, if video games were causing the problems that uh, that people say are, are, are causing, we'd have a far more gun violence than Oh, yeah, uh, than, absolutely, than that. yeah. Every, I mean, everybody would be packing know, a like rifle. Young kids playing, um, you know, first-person shooter games and games that involve with you know copious amounts of blood and ripping people's organs out yeah we should be having a generation of extremely violent kids yeah and it's just it also on top of that as well like you know if you know if you're not going to ban guns you're sure as hell not going to ban video games because you know it's like well once you go going down that road of like well let's let's ban the things that we think are influencing the uh the, the problem and then it'll suddenly turn around to well uh, you know let's start banning the things that uh uh, are now causing the problem because when they when they find out that all the video games are gone, when all the movies are basically about care bears and all the uh, you know people like us can't express particular views and these gun violences the gun violence is still ongoing, you know uh, eventually down the line you know uh, they'll 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 get down to guns believe me, and so yeah eventually yeah. but unfortunately. So- all these politicians just have a huge hard on for the NRA. Yeah, the, uh... especially in southern states. Like, I'm not even joking. I live in Florida. A lot of people know that. Mm-hmm. And around here, they love their guns. They have gun shows almost every couple of months to yeah. showcase the newest guns. They have um, shooting ranges that people can go to and they can practice shooting at targets. So yeah, we have a hard on for guns. Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. It's like yeah, you know, for me, you know, I don't particularly hate guns. You know, for 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 the uh, for most part, I can understand from you know, for those of you who do not know, I spend a lot of time in uh, you know, not just in liberal talk radio, but in conservative talk radio as well. And for you know, for people out in the open and like uh, you know, need to kind of like secure their own land. Like it's totally understandable that you know they would say, "Hey, you know, I need to be armed because you know the uh, the nearest uh, response I'm going to get for security if I get raided by somebody is going to be about like an hour at the most." And so for people like that, I totally understand, you know, when they need to kind of defend their defend their property because they've got no one else to rely on but themselves. But, sure, you know, sure. Yeah. I mean, I can understand with farmers that oh, there's a wild animal eating away their um their crops or their uh their sheep and their chickens, and they need to use that uh so they can be able to get money for their eggs and for their wool. I can um, understand why they need to use a gun so they can shoot them. Yeah, well, also, if, like, you know, a bunch of bandits come over and, you know, try and steal stuff. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, I, 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 that, that, too. There are bad guys out there. And, you know, in regards to that as well, like, you know, the, it's the, you know, the stereotypical thing that the NRA says, like, you know, oh, the only way you can defeat a bad guy with a gun is with a good is with a good guy with a gun. Here's my question to that. Why arm the fucking bad guy? You know, it's like, oh. uh, this is the thing about the NRA that I think people don't really understand. You know, the NRA, they don't admit this in public, but, you know, they don't really see bad guys and good guys. They see customers. Anybody who wants to buy, you know, wants to buy a gun, they're very happy with to do it. I, I swear, there's, uh, there's you know, anybody for them who, you know, no matter what the intentions they have, you know, they see them as some kind of support when they buy one of their weapons. Well, not only that, but I'm sure that we remember when we first saw a few videos, I think in the past year, about how easy it is for you to get a gun without, um, you know, filing in a long form, uh, showing off your license, going through background checks. It, I mean, you remember that, like, what was it, like an 18, like a 16 or 17 year old kid went over to a gun store 
and uh, he showed off his ID, he filled up some paperwork, and then five minutes later, he walked out with a gun license, and he was able to buy a gun. I know. It's just, it's, uh, there, there needs to be far more. Yeah, yeah, imagine, imagine getting a car under those same circumstances. Oh, man, hey, that would be the best thing ever. Yeah. yeah. I, I would just go in there. Uh, maybe I don't have to do like a huge down payment. I'll just give maybe like a few hundred dollars and then boom, I get a car really easily. Yeah, but uh, like, you, you still need the license to drive it. You still need to like learn how to do it. And, you know, if right, I, right. The, the, I mean, uh, a 14 year old can be able to just walk in there and say, hey, um, uh, you know, I have a good background check. I'm ready to drive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I promise I'll go over to get my driver's license eventually. I've never crashed in, a car. Here, here in Florida, you can be 15 to get and get your um, permit. Yeah, it's just it's yes. In my opinion, I would treat guns the same way you treat you know, anything that could potentially take a life away from, from somebody. You know, and cars definitely with that. You know, get get learn how to shoot a gun, get the license, get the gun, and then you're you know you're you're plain sailing. And, and you know, this is really dumb. Uh, you know how Donald Trump is blaming video games. A few days ago, um, the um, the polit the politicians in Florida were talking about. You know what causes violence? Porn. porn. <laughs> yes. Oh, porn no. causes violence. And don't get me wrong. You see, around where I live, there are a lot of, um, you know, particular places that people can go to to not only enjoy, like, uh, a good, like, a steak or uh, maybe, like, big screen TV so they can watch uh, an MMA match, but there are a lot of... Um, you know, strip clubs. There are a ton of strip clubs that people can go to and watch ladies dance, and there's a lot of it around here. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I've never seen, like, cop cars. I've never seen people getting arrested from those places. And they're blaming porn for uh, the violence. I mean, also around here, we do have um, a big drug problem as well. Yet, at the same time, um, I've I have rarely seen the case of, you know, people talking about that. It's always about, you know, that, oh, this thing causes a ton of violence. But let's be honest. The reason why nowadays it seems to be the case is because people who are severely incapable of using a gun responsibly are able to get them really easily. Yeah. You know what? Change comes from the ground up. And so, I mean, uh, I really hope that these uh, student activists that are currently, you know, uh, now... Yeah, on the road. I mean, the the one thing I'm kind of worried about is that uh, now I don't want to criticize you know these these people because you know they've been through such a horrendous event, you know in that in that in that shooting. And uh, though I don't know, it's like for me, you know, change comes from the ground up. And you know, it's it's good enough being like on you know CNN and uh, Channel Four and uh, the Ellen Show and uh, and things like that. But uh, I mean, the one thing that happens that when you get to when you get propelled so further upwards is that you kind of lose communication with what's going on on the floor. And what I hope is that, you know, when it all settles down, that, you know, they go back down to the floor and say, you know something, we're going to, you know, campaign for our, you know, our neighborhoods to basically, you know, uh, make sure that nobody does what happened, you know, basically repeat what's happened, you know, that, uh, you know, that the, apparently this kid was known that he was going to go crazy at some point and go shoot up this place. Apparently a lot of people knew. 
And so I hope they go back on the ground and start saying, you know, that our neighborhoods need to change. And we, you know, if we know somebody's going to flip their lid at some point or do something incredibly atrocious and harm and kill a lot of people, that you know, there needs to be warning places and you know, war- needs to be warning signs put in place, and you know, law enforcement needs to be involved. And, you know, that they start changing the structure down on the ground. Because then once the structure changes down on the ground, you know, the politicians will start to respond. And uh, I think uh, for me, because I think uh, it's, it's one thing to, um, you know, change things at the top, to say th- a lot of things at the top, uh, you know, and get the whole nation on board. But uh, then uh, my biggest fear is, is that uh, what happens on what happens if nothing on the ground changes and that all you kind of left really is with whatever's in the air. And then it all just kind of evaporates. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I was talking to something similar to this with my mom about needing a change. And um, she even said, what's the first thing that you do right before you want to plant a garden? And she said, well, you need to dig up, you know, the dirt, make it breathe some fresh air, remove the rocks and remove the weeds and the grass so that you can be able to start off from scratch then afterwards you add in the manure and you add in the mulch so that the the air um the the soil can be able to be fertilized then you start planting the seeds and then you start watering so in order for something like this to make a change you need to look at the original rules and guidelines and you know completely change it or Think about ways in order for you to rewrite it so that you can make our society safer. Yeah, it's not just that. It's because, I mean, if you've got no foundation to to kind of, like, you know, put yourself on. And, uh, you know, let's face it, and uh, I know this is going to be sound very cruel for some people, but, you know, CNN and um, all these news networks that are talking about this now, they're going to move on to the next big thing after this has all happened. And uh, it's something that I've seen time and time again in in news media. There's going to be, you know, it's going to be the next Trump scandal. It's going to be, you know, maybe some other thing that's happened. Maybe it's going to be North Korea again. You know, they're going to, you know, once once this is all, you know, uh, wrapped up in Florida, they're going to they're going to move on to the next big tragedy. Yeah, um, and, and get... the same thing happened with Hurricane Maria. You know, as soon as, you know, Puerto Rico's lights completely, you know, turned off and, you know, people started caring for it. But then, like, give it like a month or two and no longer are they having any services from the United States. And they're moving on to the next big tragedy. And right now, as we speak, over 50 percent of Puerto Ricans don't have any power. I know. And on top of that, the only uh, you know news organizations that I last uh, heard calling, covering it was Democracy Now! and RT. And, uh, you know, they're not exactly mainstream, you know, uh, news organizations at the moment, you know, unless you no, believe that. Uh, unless you're, you know, really afraid of the Kremlin and, uh, you know, you think that RT is a foreign agent. It's like, you know, it's like uh, then all of a sudden it's a big deal. But, uh, you know, that's where we are at the moment. Um, so, I mean, shall we change tack? I think we've kind of... Yeah, let's, let's, let's go to the next one. This is interesting, actually, what we've got here. Uh, Over the Garden Wall. Uh, it was a very successful, you know, Cartoon Network show, and uh, now it's going to conter- continue in a sequel of uh, graphic novels, apparently. Oh, that's nice. Uh, th- that's actually become the norm nowadays, in which 
um, if a cartoon becomes really, really successful or has uh, more of a story to continue, then they're turning it into graphic novels. Because mm-hmm, they did that with Avatar, you know, before. Yeah, Legend they did that with Avatar, and they did that with um, Rocco's Modern Life. They did that with Invader Zim. So yeah, this is becoming like really popular. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. Actually, I, go, I even yeah. mentioned that. Um, you know, with Avatar, th- that was really close to not happening because, as some people know, Avatar The Search, which is the story about Zuko wanting to go on a journey to find his mom, was originally supposed to be a TV movie. And Nickelodeon rejected it in favor of the second season of Legend of Korra. Yeah. And so they decided, let's make it into a graphic novel and continue the story from there. And so now we've had this huge boom of comic books based off of cartoons. And uh, you, they've always been around, don't get me wrong, but this is kind of like the new generation of that. And uh, pretty soon we'll be, I mean, there's already been like Adventure Time, uh, Steven Universe, and uh, now uh, Gravity Falls has been announced that they're going to be getting um, a few issues of a graphic novel series. So yeah, now Over the Garden Wall, which is great because uh, when that uh, miniseries first came out, on Cartoon Network, I I knew a lot of people who loved it, and they wanted to see more of it. You know, it'll be interesting, because remember when Craig Barlow told me that uh, apparently there's a lot of stuff kind of left on the cutting room floor for the Jungle movie? Um, Yes. How how amazing would it be if he uh, took everything out of that and turned the the Jungle movie into a graphic novel and put in the bits that that they took out? That was my original idea of the Jungle movie, like, even before the movie was announced, because my friend Kamakuno and I, we did a list on the top 10 uh, Nicktoons any comic book adaptations and one of them was Hey Arnold and we even said that if the Jungle movie never happens I would love to see Craig Bartlett do a graphic novel and give a full in-depth um, story about Arnold trying to search for his long lost parents. Yeah. Funnily enough my, my one of my art projects when I was doing was on, when I was unemployed was uh, working on uh, possibly doing a jungle movie graphic novel or at least telling my my idea of what the jungle movie was and uh, unfortunately that's a then turned into a, a video which uh has fallen by the wayside uh, until i can do my you know arnold and helga valentine video which i've not had a chance to do that either so and valentine's day is long gone <laughs> so uh oh boy just is uh, yeah uh, graphic novels are hard let me let me just safely say this to everybody yeah yeah so. graphic novels are very hard because a graphic novel is completely different than working on a tv show or working on like a movie you see with a graphic novel you need to draw every single panel you need to tell the story uh you want to know about how much you want to space out the story right before the next graphic novel i i take it it's not very um an easy thing to do yeah the, the thing i oh the one thing i would say is that i actually enjoy graphic novels uh, a bit more than I would say the movies that ends up getting based on because if uh, have you ever seen Watchmen? Uh, yes, I have I mean, seen yeah, Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. I, I prefer the graphic novel to the movie because uh, you can't. You know, there's far more described in you know, and there's far more to get into in the graphic novel than there is in the in the movie that it's based on. So, um, yeah. that, that isn't that the case for a lot of graphic novels? Pretty that much, turn yeah. into movies? I know it's like the only. Uh, I mean, if you remember the Lord of the Rings, I mean, you remember how long the books were? Like, you know, the, yeah, the, the, they, they the, were really long. Yeah, even the movies, even though they were like three hours each, like you know, they didn't really do the good the books justice. You know, so. right, right. Um, it, it's really difficult. I mean, there are some cases. Uh, like uh, uh what was it gonna was gonna say? Um, uh. I was going to say, um, there are some cases, like, um, 
uh, Chronicles of Narnia in which uh, they don't cover the books in order. Like we got The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and that was like the second book. Then we went over to Prince Caspian, which I think was like the third or the fifth. And yeah, it, it just kind of like mixes around. And then we have a series of unfortunate events in which the books are somewhat smaller. So they decided to cram like three books into one movie. So yeah, sometimes getting into the utmost detail is really difficult. But then there are some cases in which, oh, maybe a character or a plot point was pretty pointless and unnecessary. So they decided to cut that off and keep the story a little bit um, consistent and flowing. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we've now got a trailer, so uh, shall we play it for everybody and uh, see what it is? Oh, that'd be fun, yeah. Okay, then, here we go. Behold the Underminer! Watch after Jack-Jack. I thought we were gonna go You heard your mother trampolining! We meet again! (laughs) So, as we can see here, we've got The Incredibles 2. Yes. (laughs) So um, now we get to finally see an adaptation of that video game. uh, Yeah, Revenge of the Underminer. uh, Yes, Revenge of the Underminer. I don't know. It's like, uh, I'm I'm hoping that it's going to basically take place probably after the events of Revenge of the Underminer. I thought, yeah, I, I would like to see that. I mean, it doesn't look I mean, like it's going to I mean, from the looks it. of it, I think it is because, I mean, what we'll, we'll discuss more about the rest of the trailer, but he's only in just this part of the trailer, and he's not anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Ah! Superheroes are illegal. Mm, that's interesting. So they seem to be going with um, that. Maybe, I don't know if the supers are still supposed to be in hiding. I guess, and maybe that one scene that we saw there was like, you know, just them you know, not realizing that. I yeah, I, I think that um, at this point, su- the superheroes are still not being able to show themselves to the public. But um, I guess because of the Underminer and then Syndrome causing a lot of mayhem, maybe they'll, they'll be a part of the story in which maybe they'll give them another chance. Maybe. It defines who I am. We're not saying you have... What? Someone on TV said it. I was approached by this tycoon. Wants to talk about hero stuff. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, it looks like... Uh, I don't know. Like, Do, do you think they're... Re- not, I would say they're rehashing the last movie. I don't think. Like, you know, if you remember, they was like... they were, You know, uh, Mr. Incredible was approached by, you know, uh, Syndrome. You know, from that private organization. And, uh, I mean, it's the same thing happening again. Yeah, it it sounds like they are rehashing. It sounds like another rich guy who's interested in superheroes and putting them into various tasks. But only this time, it's Elastigirl's job, not Mr. Incredible. Hoop-dee-doo. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need Elastigirl. I'm interested to see why Elastigirl. Like, you know, Yeah. uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he would have, like, the charms to say, you don't need that Mr. Incredible anymore. You can be the higher up. You want to be, like, the main superhero that everybody wants to look up to. Yeah. And also, you've noticed that so they're giving her a motorcycle, and uh, which is different from, like, apparently she used to be in a plane. And, uh, yeah, that's in a yeah. plane, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I keep forgetting the name of the character that they cut, they cut out. Uh, was it Schnars, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think so. Thinking, yeah. But yeah, she she did fly up an airplane. I guess maybe they didn't want her to be like Wonder Woman, in which she has an invisible jet. Maybe. I'll watch the kids, no problem. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. 
The one thing I'm a bit concerned about is, is that this is what they're showing us. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, uh, it is only just kind of like a teaser trailer. So maybe they might release another trailer with a bit more juicy stuff in it. But uh, right now, it kind of feels more, there is a bit of a Fantastic Four kind of vibe from it, really. You know, well, we did about talk it. about it in our Pixmix episode that somebody was saying, hey, um, you know, there's there was one good Fantastic Four movie, and that was The, the Incredibles. Incredibles. Yeah, but right now, I think uh, it, it kind of feels like, you know, they're not really showcasing them being superheroes at this point. There's, yeah, that's there, true. There is a bit of a fear that uh, they might do that at the beginning of the film so like they'll probably like blow their load like at the very first uh, in the very first part of the act and then they might just settle it all down for the end and maybe bring it all back for the be for like sorry just settle it all down for the majority sorry the middle of the movie and then bring it back at the end i don't know yeah it sounds a lot like um uh, up or wally in which they leave um the first couple of minutes or one half of the movie to be like the best part about it and then it just kind of meanders and falls apart uh-oh why would they change math math is math math is math all over Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf are dozing her eyelids so heavy they're drooping mm. closing I couldn't have done this if you hadn't taken over so well. I've got to succeed so she can succeed. But why does she need, I mean, uh, succeed in, what, being Elastigirl? I mean, I guess so. Um, like, I'm sure that there's something in the movie that um, maybe she's becoming, like, really successful or maybe she isn't as revered as Mr. Incredible. I don't know. But, mm -hmm. yeah, that does actually bring up an interesting question. So we so basically everyone's going to be in the know now that uh, uh jack jack basically has these uh jack of all trade powers yes so. uh we even saw in the teaser trailer like when they were first announcing it that mr incredible knows that he has powers and he shoots out lasers he gets on fire he um he does a whole bunch of things, so yeah, they, they. I think that at this point in time, they know. But I can't keep giving him cookies. Oh, nobody in a day. What? Done. I like how uh, Frozone's experiencing all this for the first time. It's so Samuel L. Jackson when he when he reacts. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think at least if at least if it, if it gets a bit flat with the Incredibles, at least Samuel L. Jackson could just pop his head through and uh, you know bring us back to the forefront. So, that is true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we've got something to look forward to. We've got something to look forward to in this. Properly, parenting is a heroic act. <laughs> Done properly. <laughs> so there we go. Hopefully, it's going to be good. Yeah, so, uh, fingers crossed. Um, I'd like another trailer just to kind of see what we're what else we're going to get. Like, I'm sure uh, we'll get one in the next month or two, right before the movie comes out. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Uh, let's see what we got up next. Um, so Disney is planning another Muppets reboot for its streaming service. Uh, so. well, it's not surprising considering that their their newer Muppet show was a disaster. Mm -hmm. So uh, I mean, this is what they're going to go with. So uh, studios Netflix rival studios Netflix rival will be uh, populated 
populated by the series of the films based on its uh, classic titles. Uh, Disney's forthcoming uh, direct-to-consumer streaming service is going to be the prime hub for remakes, reboots, and all of the uh, familiar uh, intellectual properties for at least uh, the early buzz about its initial film and uh, television slate. Uh, headed by the OTT programming chief uh, Agnes Chu, uh, the uh, as-of-yet-unnamed service uh, envisioned by the, uh, as the competitors to Netflix will be home for family-friendly fare, including Marvel feature films such as TV series uh, live-action Star Wars, as well with a multiple variation already in the works uh, according to CEO yeah they've Liga. been talking for a while about that disney wants to have their own streaming service yeah and a source that tells a thr uh, said hollywood reporter a reboot of the muppets is also in uh, also being worked on as well uh, Disney acquired the Muppet Studio in 2004 and most uh, recently attempted to revive Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy and Company in a small screen with the critically panned ABC comedy which was cancelled after one season in 2016. Uh, search for a writer is already taking place so uh, you know uh, yeah I think uh, hopefully this time around they can uh, you know not do what they did with the ABC comedy. And, oh uh, god no because that was awful and yeah. not only are they rebooting the new muppet show but they're rebooting muppet babies as well yeah and on top of that they're making a new muppet baby as well for you know the, the cast uh, they've, they've yeah exactly the, uh, disney jr uh they're creating a brand new reboot of the muppet babies and they already revealed who the the cast is gonna be they're already uh they have a brand new female character and um, I think that one of the um, actresses from the Hamilton musical is going to be singing the theme song. So, yeah, um, it should be really interesting about how this is to come, especially since uh, the you know Muppet Babies. You know, for some people who may not know, was like one of the most influential cartoons of the '80s, in which um, it was the one that brought in the um, fad of let's take our characters and show them in their baby forms. Mm -hmm. With like we had Fl Flintstones kids, Tom and Jerry kids, Pupman Scooby Doo, and um, you know even Baby Looney Tunes even did that at one point. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean I don't know. Have uh, you um, have you've seen the Muppet the Muppet Babies, right? I have. Eric? Yeah. The one thing I'll give it credit for is that uh, it tried to it it didn't just basically what become like you know some uh, other like you know throwaway Saturday morning cartoon show. They at least tried to do something with it. So well, uh, like they tried to make it as imaginative as possible and on top of that yeah, exactly well, like there are there are so so many pop culture references and movie references in muppet babies that there's a reason why um it has yet to be released on dvd because they have to, they had to deal with licensing issues like um they used to show a lot of movie quotes uh clips, clips i'm sorry yeah. movie clips and um you know, they would like be in the world of the movie or something like that. Oh. And uh, it's kind of funny because a lot of them were Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and nowadays they have the rights to it. Yeah. Do you remember so when uh, Johnny Five was a thing? Like you know, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, like uh, they they made a big deal of that when uh, he he was on the on the big screen, and uh, there's some stuff with Alf as well. I can't, I really can't remember. Yeah, yeah, if they yeah did. there was an Alf cartoon. Yeah, like I, I know they did something else besides you know, oh my god, cartoon all stars to the rescue. Anyway, oh, uh... lest we remember about <laughs> the time that the cartoons talked about drugs. 
You know what? If uh, next, account- next thing you know, we're gonna be having a gather up of cartoons from today's era talking about gun safety. Yeah. I can't wait to see this TV special where Steven Universe, Finn from Adventure Time, Gumball, and SpongeBob talk about protecting yourself in case a crazed maniac shooter comes into your school and tries to kill you. No, no, it's like it's just it's uh, yeah. And uh, here's the thing, though. Um, I say I lost, uh, I lost my train of thought then about. So anyway, about the streaming service that Disney's going to put out, which we don't, we don't know what the uh, the name of it is going to be. I mean, I don't know. It could, could just be called like you know, I don't know, Disney Stream, or you know, yeah, like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Disney Moat. <laughs> Disney Moat. <laughs> yeah, as in like you know the moat that goes around the castle. Yeah, but, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, they'll, they'll call it something, I'm sure. But, uh, I mean, uh, what, what do you think they should debut with, do you think? I mean, what, what movies would you put in? Ooh, I mean, just, should they just I mean, throw out the entire... I mean, if this is going to be like a, a streaming service, um, you want to start something that everybody is familiar with. Like, you know, put in a, cl- a bunch of classic Disney movies, uh, put in some Disney cartoons that you can't find anywhere on DVD because I'm for some reason I have no idea, but Disney is very, very stingy in releasing most of their Disney Channel cartoons on DVD, and you can't find them anywhere. You can't find Little Mermaid the animated series on DVD. You can't find Aladdin the animated series on DVD. Recess is not on DVD. Mm. Um, the Proud Family is not on DVD. Um, I think Gravity Falls and Phineas and Ferb, I mean, you can buy them online, but, yeah. I mean, there's no way you can own a physical copy as far as I know. I mean, yeah. maybe, I think maybe you can for Gravity Falls. I think they I think should do what Nickel- I've been saying Nickelodeon should have been doing from the beginning when this whole, you know, when they were saying, that, oh, we're going to bring back Rocco's Modern Life, Rugrats, uh, Hey Arnold, and... Uh, like all the all, all the shows that everyone grew up with in the uh, the twenty four to thirty six year old demographic, you know, uh, build it for the nerds, like you know the people who, like are yes. really into it, and like that's what Disney could do here. It's like okay, yes. all these I mean, shows you just great mentioned. If, um- um, you know, they can release a lot of their stuff on DVD and maybe they can have like a whole bunch of panels and conventions release like maybe um, a loot crate box with like exclusive D- um, Disney stuff that you can only get in like certain parks. Um yeah, it, it, there's a lot of possibilities of it. And if you are going to do, um, I mean, they already have the reboot of DuckTales. Maybe they can have both the reboot and the original so you can watch it. Um, you know, Muppet Baby's the same thing. We can actually see it without the, uh, you know, watching, you know, YouTube videos uh, that came from like bootleg VC, um, VCR recordings. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Gargoyles, uh, I think that, you know, only like one season or two was released on DVD and we haven't gotten season three. Uh, that could be great. Um, you know, even the cartoons that nobody remembers, you know, release them at some point. I don't know. But I, I think that for the most part, if you want to do well with um, a live stream, you know, try to mix in with what the kids want and what the adults want. Put in some classic movies, some TV shows, and, um, you know, try to see if you can watch some things, You know, maybe maybe even exclusive stuff. So, yeah, I think that there's some possibilities with this, um, you know, streaming service. Imagine if they re-released Song of the South. Oh... <laughs> 
they have so much stuff in there. They can, I mean, yeah, but, but, but that's just a joke. But putting, putting, that, putting that aside, I mean, like, uh, yeah, if you... Put, those All those animated series that you mentioned, Gargoyles, Recess, uh, Little Mermaid, you know, say, oh, hey, uh, w- you know, when we come to debut this, you're going to start seeing all these episodes start to come back and you have them all on demand. So, like, you know, people will sign up for that. So yeah, exactly. Know. And also, um, what, you know, we can even have the ABC shows that was before the buyout from Disney, like uh, Dinosaurs or Bump in the Night. Oh, and they own the Fox uh, library now. So, uh, maybe- oh, that yeah, that'd be great. Uh, we can have Marvel with like the new Avengers cartoons and the new Spider-Man cartoon and then put in X Men the animated series. Yeah, and also that uh, I think they also the now own that. So you remember that Peter Pan and the Pirates uh, series? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Could, um, where they, they had like up. Tim Curry as Captain Hook. Oh, that was brilliant. Like uh, yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah, I, I mean, it kind of reminds me of a story of um, you know, talking tunes with Rob Paulson, in which uh, James Marsden was in that show, and um, he was talking about like the time that uh, you know, uh, for the most part, I'm sure for some of you who know that a lot of kids were voice acting for that show, and they were like you know, teasing Tim Curry while he was trying to record his lines. And, um, you know, they were like flipping paper clips at him. And, uh, you know, then the director's like, okay, kids, a real serious actor is going to be performing. So please keep it down. And then Jason Marsden is like, where? <laughs> and then Tim Curry just approaches him and he says, over here, fuckhead. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I say we're running a little bit later in our schedule. Um, do you want to move, uh, I mean, do you care that Japan, uh, is invented Robo-Bees? Oh, uh, well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. especially here in Florida, in which we have a lot of flowers, and the flowers used in Florida are used for the honey, and we have, we, there's a huge, huge, um, interest in raw honey around here, mm-hmm. like, we have a lot of stands, and we have a lot of vendors that sell raw honey, but the problem is, is that because they, um, They've been using a lot of pesticides for the flowers. The bees have been dying off, and they're really, really close to becoming an endangered species. That's horrible, isn't it? Like I know uh, we had JP the Bee Man on this show, and uh, I mean he's uh, he's keep he's trying to keep optimistic about it and everything. So, uh, but uh, you know, in some places where you know they're just so careless with pesticides. Like, you know, it's exactly. just, just, yeah. Like, um, I mean, even in, like, northern Florida, there's blueberry farms, there's orange groves, and a lot of them, they need beans so they can be able to pollinate. Right now, uh, there's a great blueberry farm that my sister and I love to go to called Southern Hills, which is in Claremont. And right now it's closed for the season because the bees need to pollinate and have the blueberries grow. And that bl- and not not only are they using the bees to pollinate the bushes so that the blueberries can start growing, but they also use raw honey. They use um, the, um, the honeycomb for like a whole bunch of things. So, yeah, bees are pretty important. Yeah. And uh, my biggest worry about... My biggest worry about technology, uh, someone getting involved in here, is like, you know, like, uh, I mean, wouldn't you rather have a, a real bee kind of like doing the work rather than a robotic bee? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people can even argue about, like, I would rather have a real person sew me this sweater as opposed to, like, a machine crafting this pair of pants for me. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit worried about, so, I mean, on top of that as well, imagine they start getting, like, he's, like, you know, bio, start kind of messing with the biolo biology of the bee, where it's like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, is, we'll create yeah, this super be. bee, which uh, can't be, which pesticides can't affect, but, so, you know, it might, you know, start going around killing people or whatever, like, you know, like, Frankenbee. Uh, Frankenbee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Frank it, you know, thinking about Robo B, it, it reminds me of that live action Richie Rich movie with Macaulay Culkin. And um, one of the uh, inventions that Professor Keenbean invented was a Robo B. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you remember in a Simpsons Hit and Run, they were all bees, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's Bee Man. Oh, I got Amber. But yeah, I, I mean, you know, Japan, um, I, I know that Japan is very, very meticulous with the environment. They're, it's mandatory to recycle, and they're always keeping everything clean, and they're very, I mean, they care about nature a lot. I mean, if you play any video game like Okami in which it's all about caring for nature, then you would know that these people treat it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I was looking at the time actually, and uh, that's so we're running a bit low. So uh, um, I'll quickly go through this one, uh, and then probably we'll wrap this up. Um, Steve Jobs' Aerofield CV is going to fetch fifty thousand dollars at auction. Wow! And I thought that a lock of Justin Bieber's hair, costing over like twenty-five or a hundred thousand dollars, was like weird. Mm -hmm. And Aerostron, this this this, this CV isn't exactly perfect either. Uh, Aerostron CV, written by co Apple co-founder Stephen Jobs in 1973, is up for auction and is expected to fetch up to fifty thousand dollars, which is about thirty-six thousand pounds for us here in the UK. Uh, the single-page CV lists the entrepreneur's name, Stephen Jobs, his date of birth which is the 24th of February of 1955, and his place of study, which is Reed College in the U.S. state of Oregon, according to The Guardian. Uh, while, Jobs said, while Jobs said that he he had a driving license, uh, he later claimed that his access to transport was not possible, but not possible. Uh, next to the section marked phone, Jobs went to, on, on to create the iPhone, wrote none. So he did not have a phone at the time he wrote mm. the CV. So, uh, under the special abilities section of the application form, uh, jobs lists include electronic tech or design en engineer, digital uh, from Bay near Hewitt Packard. It seems likely he was referring to the California based tech giant HP, Hewitt Packard. Uh, the document doesn't reveal what position jobs was applying for, uh, f uh, for the. Uh, uh, the Daily Telegraph says, but it does provide a snapshot into the uh, turbulent period in the tech pioneer's life. So uh, it's a pretty, uh, pretty inspiring document from the looks of it. You know. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. I'm Uber, just shocked that it's like they're selling it for fifty thousand dollars at an auction. Well, it belongs in a museum, if anything. Yeah, exactly. That belongs in a museum. Yeah, like you know, you can take kids over there and say, "Hey, look at look at this CV." Like, you know, it's not perfect, and, you know, uh, the, the guy who created the, uh, one of the most influential mobile devices in the world, you know, he didn't even own one in 1972, or where in 1973. And, and, you know, even, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can talk about, like, um, you know, the, you know the, the Nintendo Game Boy that was brought in during the Kuwait War, and that oh, it yeah. exploded, and now it's, it, it still functions? That belongs in the, um, the Nintendo store, and for a while, it was at the Museum of Modern Art, when they were having their toy exhibits. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, actually, I tell you what, in the uh, it's in the I think it's in the uh, Technology Museum in uh, in in London. Uh, we have the uh, there's a Super Nintendo in there. 
And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh my god, the fact that that's in a museum now, and that was like my first game console. That's oh, that's uh, <laughs> that makes me feel very old. Let me just yeah. <laughs> I, I just right aged by now. twenty years by just knowing that. Oh, the fact that I'm going to be taking my kids to the museum and there's a Super Nintendo in there, and I'm pointing to them saying, I used to play that console. Like not not that actual one, but you know. Uh, I tell you what, actually, uh, I, I say I should mention this as well. Uh, Toys R Us, for those of you who do not know, uh, in a couple of days' time, might be finally going into administration uh, here Ooh. in the U- here in the uh, UK. And uh, I tell you what, that's actually kind of sad for me because uh, Toys R Us was where I got my Super Nintendo. Uh, yeah, so, it's yeah. very sad. I mean. I know that Toys R Us has been going downhill lately. I mean, they shut like over 200 stores and a lot of people have been losing their jobs. But mm. yeah, it reminded me of FAO Schwartz a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, well, here, you know, you know, Blockbuster that went down. And uh, yeah. apparently here in the UK, the, the same administrators who uh, oversaw the liquidation, liquidation of uh, Blockbuster, they might be overseeing Toys R Us as well. So yeah, like, you know, like... and from I mean I don't even know if it's still um open, but I think there's only one blockbuster in the entire United States that's open. And it's in Alaska or something. I don't know if that's still around, but well, yeah, it's crazy to think that um you know stores that we cherish from our childhoods are disappearing. I know. Well, they're not disappearing. They're just going into remote areas of the world. Like you know, it's like if it's, it's true that uh, there's a blockbuster left in Alaska, like uh, I don't know. You think there's probably a uh, well, what are we thinking? Uh, like, you know, so like like Guam and like places like Guam, that. You think, yeah, yeah, there's a there's a Toys R Us. There's Toys R Us there in Guam. Guam. Yeah, like I, I can only imagine there's still you there's still need for like in remote areas for like these types of stores because uh, uh, the you know the uh, the the online tech companies haven't really had a chance to kind of get there yet, and there's not really like you know from a physical standpoint. Like keep this in mind. Uh, there's a place in the middle of the ocean, and uh, I think it's called Nemo. And I think in like it's like a, it's like a collection of islands, and to get there, you it would basically take you like probably like a month or something like that, basically to to organize like you know a, a trip to get out there. And oh so, wow. Yeah, it's like you know there's like there's some pretty remote areas in in the world where we just don't have the technology yet to kind of like get to them. You know, uh, yeah, at least a decisive time. I wouldn't be time. surprised if there's like indigenous people who have been living this way um, for like thousands of years and they've never even seen like a helicopter before and they've yeah. never seen a camera before. And when you go over there, I mean, they'll be like incre- incredibly culture shocked. Mm-hmm. Well, there's places in the Amazon that's like that as well. Like, you know, the. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like the Amazon, which is why in some uh, locations, um, you know, you can't even, or you're not even allowed to go there. Mm hmm. All right, everybody, don't say you haven't learned anything by watching this show. So uh, Yeah, <laughs> learn something new every day. Okay, yeah. Patricia, thanks very much for being on the show. Do really appreciate it. Thanks for it. having me. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to be record. We're going to be, from now on, here on end, we're going to be doing just recorded shows. And uh, then in two weeks' time, we're going to reformat and uh, change up the show and uh, make it uh, make it better. So uh, Yeah, thinking- unless, of course, there's, like, a major event happening, and we'll probably do an occasional live stream. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep you posted if we ever do that. Yeah, but you know, as uh, as you can see here, you know, up above me, like and all around us, like uh, you know, I think this place needs shaking up a little bit. I think you know, it's like uh, we've had we've had the same uh, you know uh, frame for like uh, since last year. So mm. it's like you know, and on top of that, you know, if you notice the logo in the corner, like uh, at the very corner there, it kind of blends into the background a little bit, and I don't really like that. So uh, and uh, these icons down here as well, like you know, across the across the bottom there, underneath the uh, the uh, the main screen it's uh, they 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 look a bit dated now so I think mm. all oh, this needs changing 
jazzing up and everything. So uh, that's what we're going to do. All right. So that's going to be the next two weeks. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you much for being on the show. And from me, myself, and uh, Patricia, and here on the RMS show, it's facebook.com forward slash RMS show, uh, at RMS show, uh, rmsa.tumblr.com, and youtube.com forward slash RMS show. So from both of us here, take care, and we're bye for now. See you later.